Hey, it's Matt Herman. Thank you for joining us. It's better with you here. Today on the podcast, we talk with a member of the original Detroit cast, as well as the National Venus Tour. The outside world knows her as Frida Johnson, but to the hair universe, she was a perfect attendance Chrissy. Frida Walker, today on Hair, the American Tribal Love Rock Podcast. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Frida? I'm doing very well, Matthew. I'm so glad that we're doing this today. I, I'm so I'm so thrilled that we have a chance to speak. You were in the Detroit cast, and then you yeah. toured with the Venus cast. How did you get involved? Were you a hippie? How, what happened? Well, actually, I was in uh, the Detroit show with Meatloaf. What happened was my cousins heard that there was a, an audition for hair. Now we had been listening to the hair album, you know, and I didn't know that, I didn't even know that it was a play. Uh, we were just listening to the music. We would dance to the music and it was edgy. You know, the things that they were saying, it was edgy. We were like, oh yeah, we really like this, you know? And so they said, oh, there's an audition for hair. And I remember it was at the Best Pocket Theater in Detroit. And so I called, we were all supposed to audition, but as it turned out, I was the only one who went. And uh, so I, I made an appointment and I remember it was late in the evening, like about nine o'clock. And my mother was not happy that she had to take me at nine o'clock, I remember. But when we got in there, I auditioned for Rhonda and Armand. And I sang Chain of Fools. I will never forget it. I sang Chain of Fools by Aretha Franklin. And so they beckoned to me after I sang and they said, what would it take for you to be in the show? Are you going to school? Are you working? And I says, well, I'm going to school in the morning. And they said, well, that wouldn't be any problem because we'll have rehearsals in the afternoon. They said, but as far as we're concerned, you have the show. And so you're gonna have to audition for a few more times, just, you know, just as a matter of, of fact. And, but but you, you, we want you in the show. And so I, I was so amazed. I'm like, oh my gosh, I auditioned one time and they want me in the show. So I did go back seven more times. Wow. And because my name was Walker, I remember at the end of, of that, they says, okay, we're going to call up the people who are going to be in the show. And when we call your name, go up on stage. And so because my name was Walker, it was a W. I was the last one. I was waiting and waiting. And oh, I was no. the last one they called. And I went up on stage and we were all up on stage. And they said, ladies and gentlemen, you are now looking at the Detroit cast of hair. And oh, we erupted with joy. We were so happy. We were hugging each other and going, yay, you know, yay. And then I took a moment. This was a very poignant moment to look out at the people who had not been called. And I saw the disappointment. There were a lot of us. And, and I saw the disappointment. I felt really bad for them. And they were looking at us and they were so, you know, just hurt. Mm -hmm. And little by little, they turned away and walked out. And I'll never forget that moment when I saw them. And, and you know what it, I thought to myself, whatever, I'm involved in is big. This is big, mm -hmm. you know. 
and and I I didn't know that it was going to be as big as it was, but, I, but yeah. Do you remember what your uh, what your costume was? I was Chrissy, and I understood um, white boys with that big uh, dress that we all fit in. We all fit in one dress, and we turned it into three dresses, and we had these big white you know blonde wigs. And we sang, white boys are so pretty. You know, those type of songs were really edgy back then. You know, the, the, the African-American girls sang about white boys, really? Mm -hmm. And then the white girls sang about black boys. I mean, you know, it was just like edgy. And we, I'm telling you, my cut, that's why I auditioned for it because the music was so edgy. I'm like, ooh, we like this. And of course, it was also a protest against the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. you know, so. And then it was it was embracing at the time, you know, it embraced freedom because that's what the hippie movement was. It was like, well, we don't want to do what the establishment says, you know, the establishment, you know, like wear your hair a certain way, you know, wear bras, um, wear, you know, like the African-Americans, I remember we, we had Afros, we grew our hair naturally, we weren't straightening it anymore. You know, you know, it was supposed to be straight to fit into society. And I remember a lot of African-Americans, uh, kids were really not welcome in their homes anymore because they grew their hair like that. And the same with white kids. I don't know if you knew that, but that the boys, they started growing their hair down and they could not, no, you have to leave, you know. So a lot of that was going on, a lot of pushback. Um, we don't want to fight. Hell no, we won't go. I remember that. You know, young kids, they just wanted to drop out and be in, you know, drop out, be in. And I believe that's in here also, those, those statements. Um, there was a lot of freedom, uh, sexual freedom, uh, drugs, and Woodstock, and the whole thing. It was just a sign of the times. I think with the modern audience, especially with the younger people, they don't realize how scandalous that was. Was there any, was there yeah. any, you said pushback. How, how did your family and friends, like, were they supportive of it? Was there questions? I mean, well, there I'll is. something, when I wore my Afro for the first time, it was in the summertime. Um, it was, I was in high school and it was in the summertime and I went natural. My sister was in college, she went natural. And so I remember when school started back in September, all of the black girls who had not donned Afros yet, when I walked in, they laughed at me. They laughed at me because I had an Afro. I wasn't even thinking about it because I had sported it all summer. But they laughed at me and I'm like, oh, they're laughing at my hair, oh my gosh. But by the end of the year, they all had Afros and I was the first. I was the first, so. You're not the, you're not the trend setter. You're the trend finder. That's you said, right. Get it done and make it happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And my mother embraced it. Oh, fantastic. My, my family was fine with it, you know, because, because then, you know, it caught on and it became a thing, you know, with the Afro pics and the, you know, the whole thing. I remember I went skating once and somebody stole my Afro pick. I was so upset because it was the wooden kind. Now they're all plastic. Yeah. But it was that wooden, you know, it was art. Mm -hmm. it was Afro pick, they used to be art, you know, carved with a fist in the in it and everything, you know, and wood. But now, like, I, I don't know where they are. Somebody stole mine. <sighs> anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. was there any other, was there any, um, things that memories that you have of the show? Is there any moments or that you think of and back and you say, Oh Lord, I can't believe that happened. Or is there, <laughs> well, um, there was a time when, when, uh, we were in Canada 
and we were having a meeting, some type of a meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had gathered together a lot of cast members. We were on the road and there was drug paraphernalia on the, on the dresser. Um, I remember there was a big chunk of hashish and some marijuana. So we were having the meeting and there was a knock on the door. And so we thought it was, you know, someone coming to the meeting. Mm-hmm. But when they opened the door, a Mountie stepped in. Because they have Mounties in Canada and he had his hat and his whole thing. And so the whole room went, you know, like deers in a headlight, you know, and I was the only one standing by the dresser and everybody was, you know, braced for, oh my gosh, he's going to find this stuff. And, um, and I thought, well, and he was talking, he says, well, you know, we're getting complaints because you guys are, you know, making too much noise and we really need you to keep it down. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm the only one over here. And I, and I wasn't partaking, but I thought I'm gonna go down with everybody else. I need to do something. And so I remember I stepped over, pushed, positioned my body in such a way as to hide everything. I just kind of took a couple of steps and turned and twisted. You just and, casually, you just casually yeah, leaned. <laughs> casually, you know, and, um, and then he looked over and I thought if he turns my way, I'm he's gonna see this stuff. But then when he did turn, all he saw was me and my twisted. <laughs> so, and just a and, and just a big <laughs> smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, oh, I'm just standing here listening. And so um he says, Well, okay, well, thank you. And we said, Yeah, we'll keep it down. And so then he left. And then everybody breathed a sigh of relief and they went, Ah, oh, freedom, freedom. Oh, Frida, thank you. <laughs> I felt like, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm the hero today. <laughs> so yeah, that was, because we heard that Canada was pretty strict mm-hmm. with, with drug laws and things. And I think we don't, I don't remember who it was, but someone had been caught with drugs and they were like, you can't come back to Canada ever. So I, I don't know who that was, but yeah. It's- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But that's what's it's it's interesting, but it also shows that you you guys worked as an ensemble in the unit and you had each other's back, you know, yes. and it really speaks to the, the volumes that the show's created. Have you seen other productions if like the local production is going on? Do you go check out the other productions or is there? You know, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of the productions, but I was thinking that I, I I've seen snippets mm-hmm. and the talent is there. You know, the talent is there because there, there's some amazing talent wherever you go in all walks of life. However, I found, and this is just my opinion, the depth, it's like, they, it's like, it's, it's like they're at a different time warp, you know, so to speak. And so the, the depth of it isn't there. You know, when, you, when we reached out and said, and saying, let the sunshine, we were pleading let the sun shine. We want the sun to shine in. We don't want war. We don't want bloodshed. We don't want to live by these rules and regulations. It's that we're, su- we're, we're suffocating, you know, any, any type of, of movement worth any, worth any salt, social movements, a lot of times have been wrought by young people, mm-hmm. by young people. Sometimes not so good, but sometimes good. 
because young people really know what's going on. They can see it. They haven't, you know, this is like new to them. And they're like, wait a minute, you taught me morals, but this is immoral. So like what, what, but but a lot of times, I think the older generation has been in it for so long. It's like you have blinders on, you miss things because you're just in So, you know, the youth of, of that day was, was uh, you know, be it right, be it wrong, some things, you know, it, were questionable, but at the heart of it, it was like, we're, we're killing we're killing people in Vietnam. Why are we killing children? Mm-hmm. You know, why do I have to go fight this war? You really haven't given me a reason. I don't understand. I I I met I have met one Vietnam vet, and he told me that when he went over to Vietnam, as soon as he stepped off the plane, he said, "This is a mistake. This this is this is a mistake." And, but, you know, he had to do his time there, but it, I mean, it's a shame that conflict has to happen and wars have to happen. But a lot of time, the soldiers, they are, um, they're kids, they're kids. They're trying to better themselves. That's one thing that's so great about the arts and culture is because it gives you that freedom to express yourself, you know, Yes. and to tell the message. And a lot of times people look, as you said, you know, we were talking about previous productions that it's the depth it's kind of forgotten. And that's one reason why I wanted to, you know, take the time and and to speak with you all because it it gives a chance to have from firsthand experience as it it moving, you know, moving forward and and creating that. Um, I I agree with that, Matt. You know, the art has always represented the signs of the time. mm -hmm. And I think that that is why I'm, what I meant when those who do hair now, the signs of the time have changed. I mean, it's it's awesome that it's it's being done, but when when I saw that it just it, you know it's awesome, it's great. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put any negativity on it. Oh, none is taken. But that. um, the depth of it of it, the signs, the the times have changed, mm-hmm. and so they can't really sing it with any fervor because they they they're not they didn't experience it. What was your, oh, and exactly. And that's what it comes across is because, you know, it is a performance and that, and that's one thing that I've, um, uh, when you look and see other reviews, some of it turns into a nostalgia piece and the the message is so much more important than like, oh, let's look and let's, hey, let's wear our tie dye and, you know, peace and love. And it's that there's, there's a message going in. And as I had said previously, theater and live entertainment is one of the, the few places where people from all different walks, either on stage and in the audience can come together and agree that for whatever the span of the show, they can sit and pretend and we can all sit in a dark room and agree. We may not agree on other stuff or, you know, political, social or whatever aspects, but we have all agreed that we're going to sit together. We're going to listen and share this experience, either in the audience hearing what's on stage or the people on stage telling the audience, what was your favorite? Was there any moment during the show that you, that you loved, or was there a moment that you're like, Oh, I got to do this number again. Like, is there, of course of course I loved my solo as Chrissy my body is walking in space I love that song so much but I liked slow motion at the beginning of the show you know we would hand out flowers they would give us a 
bouquet of flowers, white daisies to hand out to the audience. And so we would be scattered in the audience and we would hand out daisies to the audience members. And the people would say, oh, thank you. They'd be so excited. Thank you. And I give them a flower. And I gave a flower once to this really handsome guy, but that's because he was sitting in the front. It, I wasn't, wasn't because, you know, he was handsome. He was, but he was just sitting in the front and I knew I had to be closer to the stage because slow motion was getting ready to start. And, and um, a couple of audience members would come out on stage and our cue to start slow motion, they would throw up, they would lift up a scrim and it would float down and the uh, bells would go, you know, and so that was our cue to start slow. I loved slow motion so much and the lights would flash and we would, you know, walk in slow motion up on the stage and then Meatloaf would come out and start singing, when the moon is in the seventh, you know, he would come out and sing. And then we would, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And then we would hold hands and break that slow motion. But as we were, um, I really liked the dynamics because as we had joined hands and we were, you know, dancing in, in a step with the music, we could still see slow motion happening until they joined the circle. So it just was a beautiful thing. I loved slow motion in the beginning, handing. And then I'll tell you about the handsome guy. <laughs> he wanted to meet me because he said, I handed him, one of my, my friends in the show said, oh, he wants to meet you. You handed him a flower and he fell in love. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> So that was, yeah, you meet people handing out flowers. Yeah. yeah look at you, Frida, yeah. getting your stage door Johnny's. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know? Yeah. It was really, um, talk about the sign of the times. I mean, we lived it. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there were groupies. We, we met, you know, we met people who were following us around. You know, there were, there were, you know, like people, you know, there were people who um, made beautiful leather pieces. This guy, made beautiful leather pieces and he was making leather, you know, uh, pants and things like that and jackets for people in the show. Um, there were there were other people that I met. I mean, there's, there's um, a man that I just hooked up with on Facebook that he, he, used to, he used to follow us around and he had hooked up with one of the members. You know, I mean, to me, we were all part of the same family. The people who followed us around, followed us from city to city. I mean, we, we were invited to parties. Um, you know, when we would go places, we would go to upscale parties. We would go to, um, you know, rich people, college campuses. We were invited to all, all the cast of hair is here, you know, and we would show up in all of our hippie, our, our hippie uh, garments and everyone would be dressed to the nine, but yet we were there and everyone was like, oh, the cast of hair is here. So, you know, we partied North, South, East and West, you know, <laughs> so it was like a movement that everybody embraced at the time and they didn't embrace. I remember when we were in Tulsa, um, I don't know if you heard about the Ku Klux Klan coming up on stage after the, after the nude scene, I was standing off stage um, and, and there were those of us who, who, who didn't do the nude scene and those of us who did do because it was always a choice. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't participated and I was standing off stage waiting for whatever was coming next. And, um, and I believe that right after the nude scene, there was like a, a, a short, you know, break. Mm -hmm. And so this man came up on stage 
and grabbed a microphone. And he said, this is a citizen's arrest. And, and so we were like, what? And he says, we only want those who did the nude scene. And so I remember the stage manager came out and he said, I'm, I'm part of the something chapter of the, of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh boy, the audience booed. There was so much booing going on. I think I saw some stuff being hurled up on the stage and, um, and they were talking, you know, they were engaging him. A couple of other people came, men came out and they were engaging him and he broke away from them. Debbie, I remember Debbie Ortega, she had just left the stage and she was wrapped in a, in a blanket and this guy comes to grab her and, and, he, and uh, she screamed and uh, jumped back and she screamed. And then they, they got him, you know, they, they just put hands on him and, you know, and ushered him off. But yeah, and I remember that was in the paper. Um, and I, I think uh, my mother sent me the article. It was in the paper and I still have that article. And um, I met up with Debbie and Kenny Ortega like mm, some years, a few years ago. And she asked me to bring that, that article. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the sign of the times. You know, yeah. that's what was happening when we were doing the show. So that's what I'm saying. We lived that, we wore that, mm -hmm. you know, and that was in our performance because we were part of those times. Yes. This actually happened. Right. And I'm so sorry that I had to be in that situation because, you know, it wasn't know. all it wasn't all sunshine and lollipops, you know? Yeah, it was surreal. Really was. When we toured the South, we were not well. I mean, we were not well. I mean, you you talk about the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, the restaurants, the waitresses. I mean, I wonder how much food my, my food got spat in. I think back <laughs> because we we went to restaurants and they would literally hurl our food across the, you know, throw, you know, what do you want? You know, it was just, there's such animosity. I would wake up early. I've always been, my circadian rhythm gets me up really early in the morning. And so whoever it is that's up early, we just see one another down in the, in the restaurant, you know, if it's hotel restaurant and we just join each other and we just be sitting there half asleep. And, you know, and so a lot of times it was some of the, the, the white guys in the band, you know, they had long hair. Um, I'm a black woman. I'm sitting there and we're not thinking about any. We're just thinking I, I want, you know, some grapefruit or coffee or something. And, and then all of a sudden we get met with animosity because, because I guess I'm a black woman. They're white. They have long hair. I don't know, you know, but this happened through the South, throughout the South. And, um, but then by the same token, now these, these waitresses and things were white. But now by the same token, I remember one time I had gotten up early and I was sitting with, with a, a couple of white band members. And, um, and one of the band members pointed to the window past my head and I turned around and there were like about four black men standing there glaring at me. Like, what do you, you know, basically, what are you doing sitting there with them, I guess. And I looked back at them and I'm, you know, that kind of stuff kind of confused me because you hear about it, but you don't really live it, mm -hmm. you know, until you tour the South with a bunch of white guys with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so it was on both sides. It was whites and 
African-Americans. It was odd. It was very odd. And that's the thing that's just so difficult is because it's, you know, it's, it's, you're just trying to, you're just trying to live your truth. You know, you're trying to spread this message. You're trying to just work, you know, yeah, perform. Like, you I just want to sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, and because I was, um, because I had perfect attendance, I remember they sent me to New York to. Are you talking about the hair mass? Yeah. Huh? Are you talking about the hair mass? The hair mass. I was there. Yeah, I was there. I actually have the program from it. You know, I kept it. Yeah. I have the album. Oh, okay. So they sent me there on in person because I had perfect attendance. I went to New York and and attended. Yeah. Did so, you perform in it or were you just were you no, just I just I was in the audience. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah, they had the album of it. it's called Divine Hair. It was for the third um the third year on Broadway, the third, uh, okay. the third birthday Broadway. And um, yeah, it was St. John the Divine. And they had opened the doors. It was the first time the major doors out front had been opened and it was a big. Oh, see, I didn't know that it was that big. I'm like, okay, they're sending me to this, but you know, I didn't know. I'm like, okay, I'll go. And I went and I'm like, okay, I, yeah. Well, so, and it's, and this one thing, it's one of those things that it's a lot of times the experiences start by just showing up. As you said at the beginning, where you were supposed to go with your group of friends and and they didn't go, and it's sometimes it's just showing up, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I have I have some memories. They were good. So what do you see with with future audiences to come in? What especially with the youth, because it is a very youth driven show. But what do you what do you hope like future audiences can take away from the show? Can take away from the show. Well, it's a time in history. It was definitely a time in history. Uh, social, social movement. It was a big movement, you know. What was happening all over the, the, the earth, really, because hair picked up people. It was, it was a global phenomenon. They picked up, they had shows in Germany and in England and Australia. It, just, just to know the history of, of what was going on at the time, I think is important. The social movements. How long did you tour with the show? Did it become in instances where it got a little too kind of not dangerous, but is it, was it, was it time to move on or did you have other plans or? No, I, it just was time to move on. I, I really don't know the reason why. I think I was just tired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a heavy schedule. It was very physically taxing. I remember there was a report that came out saying that hair cast members were some of the healthiest people um, in the United States because of the exercise that we did. You know, the show was very, very physical. It was fun. But I think over time, you know, I was young. I don't know if I was eating right. I wasn't much of an eater. And so I probably didn't eat enough to sustain whatever I was supposed, all of that exercise. And, and I was just tired. I remember my voice was tired. That's one of the reasons why I'm really into keeping your voice strengthened because what, you know, it's a lot of taxing on your voice. And I think that's what really struck me. I thought, oh, we're supposed to take care of our I didn't know that. I was just used to just opening my mouth and singing. Mm -hmm. But we never warmed up. We never, you know, never did it. I never heard anybody doing any vocal calisthenics or anything like that. We just go sing. 
you know, and, and we're, we're supposed to warm our voices up first, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if anybody knew, maybe, uh, but I don't know. Maybe mm -hmm. some people knew, but I just, for myself, I didn't know. So my voice was tired. I was tired. I did um, the road trip for like about, um, oh, maybe a little more than a year. And um, we went from busing and trucking to flying, um, you know, to in, in jets. And every time we would take off, I remember me and, and my friend Otis Carr, rest, rest in peace, Otis. We would sing, when, when the plane would take off, we would sing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> I mean, we were so silly. We'd just open our mouths and start singing and, and everybody on the plane would be smiling and laughing. So I guess we didn't offend anybody. They never wanted to kick us off the plane, but we did that every time it took off. Oh. <laughs> Y'all just seemed like a party, you know, just, yeah. a, just a good time. Um, a good time. Now, post-hair, you, you sing? You, you're still singing? You're teaching? I am. I still singing when, I'm still singing when I'm asked, um, but I'm not really pursuing it right now. COVID kind of like put a monkey wrench in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, but I have continued to teach online, you know, through FaceTime is a lot easier, but I guess you can't record it. I don't. But um, yeah. but yeah, I believe that if you if you want to sing, then you should sing. Mm -hmm. There are there are a lot of times just because you can hear somebody sing. Um, sometimes people are, are want to be critics because you're singing and you're expressing yourself so people can hear it, so people want to criticize. And sometimes it takes, it, 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 I don't know, it takes away a song from a person's heart. And so if you think about it, what would happen to the birds if we went out and criticized the birds? And, you know, for, for example, if they could understand our criticism and say, hey, you know, stop chirping, you're waking everybody up, you're chirping too loud, you're chirping off key, you know, or, or whatever, you know, you're chirping annoys me, whatever, you know, and what if the bird stops singing? So I think that if, if anybody, I don't care what you sound like, if you have a song in your heart, you need to sing. And I can help you because I have such a passion for it. I can help you be a better you. Now you may not, you may not sing like, you know, uh, Whitney Houston or who, you know, whoever you like, but you're gonna sing like you. You can't. I can't sing like Whitney. You could, you know. But I can sing like a better me if I do vocal calisthenics, warm up my voice, you know, take care of my voice. You know, you have to keep your stress level low. You know, you have to um, hydrate. You know, if you go on a plane, you need to hydrate even more. You know, it's just things that you need to to know how to do. Not yell. It's a very simple, very simple thing. So. A lot of times people say, oh, well, if you, you know, like lemon, there's an old wives tale, I don't know what it's called, like lemon will strip your vocal cords from the phlegm. I'm like, that's so ridiculous because your vocal apparatus is in your, it's in your breathing apparatus. So you, it's not going to coat your vocal cords. So it's just things that, and that used to go around in here. Mm -hmm. Oh, suck on a lemon. Citrus is one of the worst things you can do before you sing because it has a drying effect. So mm -hmm. anyway, anyway. I, I just believe that if you have a, if you want to sing, you don't have to want to sing on TV or sing on, you know, make uh, albums. Maybe you just want to sing karaoke. You want to sing in your car. If you have a song in your heart, you should sing. And so what we'll do is um, we'll add in the show notes. So anybody, if they want to, to talk to you more about developing their voice, um, they'll be able to click on the link.
because a lot of times singers have closed up emotionally and they don't want to sing, mm -hmm. you know, so you can sing with confidence. That's what it's about. And you said that your son is a... My uh, son, yes, Earl Johnson. He's a solo pianist. He has uh, three uh, CDs out um, and, and they're all on Spotify. The first one is Reflections. The second one is uh, Continuance and the third one is Dawn. And so you can just ask that A-L-E-X-A, -E I don't want to say her name because she'll start talking to me, you know, <laughs> to play, for example, play Reflections by Earl Johnson, solo pianist. You know, he's, he's a beautiful, beautiful pianist. It's just, I, I'm so glad that I was able to duplicate myself in one of my children. I remember thinking, I want at least one, just one to love music like I do. And of course, my son so that he's a it's a blessing yeah well i'm excited i'm gonna go listen to it now you said it's on spotify it's on spotify you have to say the name of the the um the album because it's reflections oh dawn reflections continuance and dawn those okay. are the three but you have to say what's her name play dawn by earl johnson solo pianist um, because if you say just play Earl Johnson, some guy from way deep down in the South, <laughs> it's so funny when we, yeah. So, so you have to, you have to really be specific when you ask, when you look for it, because this other Earl Johnson is, oh, I went down South, down, down, down. Like, okay. Yeah. And speaking of other future generations, I want to give you a congratulations on your graduation. You oh, just you, you just graduated? I did. I just graduated from uh, California State University. It was uh, right at the at the close of everything during the pandemic. They shut down our college in May. I was supposed to walk in, I mean, in March. And I was supposed to walk in May of 2020, mm -hmm. but I wasn't able to walk. But yeah, I have a degree in social welfare and social justice. It was right before the George Floyd and all of that social upheaval. So yeah, social welfare and social justice. There's a lot of, of injustice in the world in terms mm -hmm. of, of poor people and people of color, women, children. And, um, and so, yeah, that's what I- Well, what you're, I, still, I, you're still continuing the message of, of peace, yes. love, and giving the voice to the voiceless. And I think, yes. you know, it all kind of goes back. Would you say that hair inspired your life or would you say that the show, I mean, your time in the show, it influences it, but did you, do you think it changed it or? Yeah, hair, <laughs> it definitely changed it. First of all, it, it gave me, uh, what do you call it, uh, validation. Oh, I, I really have talent. Okay, because I really wasn't sure before that. And, and then of course it changed the course of my life because I learned about vocal health because I didn't know anything about it. And so I ran into a little, a few vocal problems during the show. I remember one time I had to not talk for like about a month, you know, and uh, so that I, because my voice was had to get back in shape, and then, mm -hmm. then when you then you have to little by little, you know, sing and everything. But yeah, so I learned about vocal health, so that changed the the, the course of my life. And and then um, I pursued that, uh, you know, like I learned everything I could about it. I took lessons. I I sang and and did warm ups and learned all about that. 
And there's a lot of information now, which wasn't then, but there's a lot of information now on YouTube. You know, some of it is better than others, but so, you know, we're, we're really without excuse, you know, like if, if you're any kind of a singer, warm up your voice, just, just a simple, ah, you know, in the shower, mm -hmm. you know, ooh, just, you know, we, we have to warm our voices up before we sing, actually, before we talk, before we sing, like if you're a preacher, a salesman, um, any, any type of job where you use your voice a lot, like you teach your teachers, teachers a lot of teachers especially the ones in the elementary level they have raspy voices i noticed that so um yeah yeah in fact when i was um doing my internship at season i um was working with this organization called friends of the family mm -hmm. and they had classes for families they had all types of resources for families you know if you needed shelter you know help with your children english or anything like that they worked with families and at, of all ages, children all the way up to the grandparents. And they had classes and they told me, if you know how to teach a, a class, let us know. And so that's what I did my internship with. I taught classes. Yeah, I taught classes at Friends of the Family to, and, and the kids and the adults, they just love to sing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you don't have to have a great voice, but the I love to see the sparkle in someone's eyes. When they finally have confidence, open up your mouth and sing, sing, you know, it's like, I have, I've always had a very, uh, a decent voice. I'm not saying I'm the best, but I've always had a, I've felt a good voice. I open up my mouth and sing and I get criticized. So if, if you, whether you sing good or whether you think you sing bad, you're going to get criticized anyway. So mm -hmm. you may as well just sing. That is true. That is that is the truth. Everybody right. talks about it, the amount of effort it goes to do it. Everybody's going to have an opinion on something. So you can either take it or leave it, you know? Right. Um, right. You know, hair was a protest. And, and a lot of times you see the protests, you see the messages and, and you know, people would have the protest signs and all of that. What would you like your sign to say? Well, for me, I would like my sign to say flower power. And the reason why, when you think about flowers, wherever you plant a flower, I planted some flowers today because I'm a gardener. I love flowers and planting. Wherever you plant a flower, it has no choice but to stay there. So that flower is going to grow where it's planted. So you, I know you've heard this saying, grow where you're planted. That's not my saying. But I just think it's an awesome saying, grow where you're planted. To me, that's what flower power is because back then during hair, it was always about flowers. You know, we had those little, those little stickers that we used to pass out those little, I still have some, the little <laughs> stickers. And they used to have, we used to hand out daisies, you know, to people because it was flower power. It's like, look at the beauty of nature. And so if you realize that a flower is going to grow where it's planted, you don't have to be, uh, you know, like disappointed because of where you are in life. You don't have, because there are all sorts of nutrients that you can have that will help you to grow where you are. So that's what we do with flowers, isn't it? We water the flower, we give 
the flower food, we give it nutrients. We can't be dissatisfied where, where I, I just don't think we should be. I mean, I've been there where I'm just dissatisfied where I am, okay? But flower power, my sign would say flower power, grow where you're planted. It's a, it's a good thing where you're planted. You may not be able to move just like that flower, but you can feed yourself something to help. Like those people who were disappointed when they didn't get the show, they may still be living with that. They may still be living with that. Grow where you're planted. There's a reason where you can, you can affect people around you. There's a reason why you are there. You know, and that's, that's what my sign would say. That was absolutely beautiful, Frida. Absolutely. Oh, my. Oh, Matthew. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, there's, there's beauty and truth and honesty and it, it's yes. very much, you know, where you are, isn't where you have to be, but where you are, nothing should keep you from blooming and blossoming and being, and being the best that you can, you know, yes. and you can't, and nobody can, nobody can take away that. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Anyways. No, um, that's, oh, that's amazing. Oh, but I just want to thank you so, so much for spending the time and sharing your wisdom and, and your words with us and, and really living that example of community and bringing together and standing up for what's right. And a lot of times people can spend time work breaking themselves down and, and dividing and all of that stuff, but it's really that time to, to come together and unite. And that's what hair was about. Frida, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your voice and, and may you continue singing forever, you know? <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for all of your endeavors too. Well, we uh, really appreciate it. We make the world a little bit smaller by getting to know one another, you know? Yes, yes. Frida Walker-Johnson was a member of the Detroit cast in the Venus National Tour. She continues to fight for social justice and helping individuals find their true voice. Hair, the American Tribal Love Rock podcast is a production of The Hair Company. Michael Butler, Matthew Herman, Conwell Worthington, John and Jeannie Cutler, with assistance from Nina Macklin-Dayton in The Hair Archive. A very, very special thank you goes to James Rado, Jerome Ragney, and Galt McDermott, whose music was featured in this episode. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, we can be reached by email at podcast at hair-live.com. That's podcast at H-A-I-R hyphen L-I-V-E dot com. We hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, be free, be whoever you are, do whatever you do, just so long as you don't hurt anyone. And remember, I am your friend.